0: This podcast is brought to you in part by SureWinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Your business depends upon having the best technicians. Ensure their shoulder health with SureWinder tools. See us at surewinder.com. Hey there everybody. My name is Hannah. Welcome to another episode of Torch and Talk, the podcast where we talk about the garage door industry and how you can grow your garage door business. You ready, for this? You
1: ready to take a shot?
0: Hey everybody, welcome back It's uh, Ryan with Torsion Talk Podcast We've got Tommy Mello with us today Super excited I've been looking forward to this for over a month Actually longer than that Because I think I asked him probably like three to six months ago If he would do a podcast with me And I'm super pumped But before we get started There's one critical question that Hannah's been begging to ask So we're going to let Hannah ask that question Okay. It's very important. How are you single? Oh,
1: single. Well, I'm dating. I'm not, uh, I'm not married though, but, uh, <laughs> how are you single? I love that. what a great question. You know, uh,
0: I think I just,
1: I'm having an affair with my, with my company actually, <laughs>
0: So I had some technical difficulties with the uh, the headphones there. So did I hear he's not single? He's actually dating. But- oh, I am too. dating. I'm dating a gal. Her name's Andrea. Very cool. I just imagine you being a salesperson. Like I think all salespeople are good at just being able to talk their way into relationships. You're 36, right? Yeah, man. I hate hearing that. I feel like you're young, you're you're ambitious, you're successful. I'm just like, you know, we got the form back. You're not married. You don't have kids. So I'm like, dude, how's this guy single? Hannah's like, I have no clue, but I'm going to ask. So we, uh, we were trying to figure that out. So, uh, glad we got that knocked out of the way. I actually originally found out about Tommy through a video tutorial Uh, talking about how to change a garage door spring that got massive amounts of hits online. And it looked like you were promoting a parts business back then. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I have a company. So this was a long time ago. I was literally walking into houses all the time. And the guys would always say, man, I try to look this up online in 2008. I got the idea. They said, I tried to look it up online and it just seems dangerous. And I'm like, It definitely is dangerous if you don't have winding bars. But I'm like, do you know how to change a tire? If you know how to change a tire, changing a spring, it's not easy. And people got so mad at me in the industry. They said, dude, why would you teach people how to do this? And then I looked online, and there was another guy doing it before me. So I said, look, I'm just going to outdo this other guy. (laughs) And uh, there's this real old man out of Chicago. If you look up how to do anything on a garage door, he teaches you how to do it. I mean, he's seen it. He's old, Um, (laughs) old, old, seems like a great guy. Uh, We've been sued by them multiple times for stupid stuff, but never, never, nothing really stuck. But yeah, we're, we're kicking it pretty hard right now online. And I think that's the wave of the future. I think people are going to be ordering a lot more things online, hence Amazon. Uh, But yeah, we've got a pretty good grip on the online market on garage nation.com And I try to teach people how to do it safely. Cause if they're going to try to do it, why not do it safe? Right.
0: Right. And then a uh, really cool point that I just want to make sure that I get out. You're not intimidated by competition at all. I reached out to you. A random person told you that I own a garage door company and wanted to pick your brain on some things. I mean, you jumped on a call with me. You had you had no reason to. You even sent me some internal documents because we were talking about the um, the maintenance agreement that you guys are trying to come up with on the residential side. And I had been trying to work on something myself, and so you you helped me move forward. You shared that document with me. Well, why are you so? willing to help people in the industry where, when it doesn't even benefit you?
1: Well, I have nothing to lose. Look, I could tell you, eat better, quit drinking alcohol every weekend, wake up and work out, drink more water. Uh, doesn't mean you're going to do it. I feel like the stuff that's out there create good morale around your customers, create great internal customers by paying them right. Having a play the month gamify your company. Uh, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I just, I've got my own podcast. As you know, mm-hmm. I read a lot of books. I think I'm up to right near 800 on my audible. I've got four bookshelves full of books. I got one of my Scott's house, one of my apartment, two of my work. Um, uh, this stuff, I get excited about it. I want to teach. I like to grow people. I like to grow with people. I should say, uh, I'm not afraid of anybody else. I hope a lot of people raise and elevate this industry because it needs an overlift bad. The people that think we should be stuck in the 1980s, not using great software, using manual invoices, uh, I could go on and on. I just feel like the whole industry suffers when you say spring should cost $180. I actually have a lot of documents to discuss today with you about inflation from 1992 and on. You know, when they came up with having to put safety eyes on the people that are listening might know that that happened. I think it was 91 or 92. Well, they're still charging the same prices. (laughs) And you used to be able to buy an opener when I started for $90. And now to get a lift manager, you're looking at a 230 bucks or odd. And some people think you can still charge $400 for an opener. And uh, because that's what the handyman does. And we're going to go into that later. But I'm I'm all about trying to elevate this industry to the next level. And uh, I think that if we work it together with what you're working on, with what I'm working on, and exposing ourselves to people out there, they might not like me, but I have nothing to hide. <laughs> and uh, that this is the goal is to get the good word out there. And hopefully they take care of their employees better. We get a lot more younger people into this industry because right now, you know, the average person is about 47 years old in this industry. I
0: did not know that.
1: Yeah, a lot of people don't know what they're going to do with their company because their kids don't want to take over because they've seen their parents' life. Just it's a lot of work. Owning a garage or a company is not easy. No. Owning
0: any business is not easy. So, so I know that was a long answer, but. So. Go ahead. You then started A1. So you had the parts company. Are you still doing the parts thing or is that you shut that down or sold it or what?
1: I still have that. I bought out the partner. My partner just got a $20 million check. He owns a thing called Snow. You guys have probably heard of it. It's all over Instagram. It's the teeth teeth whitening your stuff. And they got Gronkowski doing it. They got all these celebrities. He actually talks on stage about influence marketing. And uh, so I bought him out recently. And we're still kicking that company. uh, Doing well with it. Uh, Do about 20 orders a day it's a good side hustle, but, uh, that's one of the many things I've got going on other than garage doors. All
0: right. And then, uh, you started a one about what? Seven years ago. It was 2007. So 12 years ago, 12 years ago. So what, when you had an idea to start a garage door company, I think it was slightly different than my idea when I decided to start a garage door company, I mean, you're you're thinking nationwide, take over the industry. Like, I've heard you say that. What was going through your mind? I mean, like, I'm having a hard enough time. I own Aaron Overhead Door here in Atlanta. Like, just getting this one going and running to, to wrap my head around. It's only been four years. Maybe when I'm more mature and the company's more mature, I've got uh, a little bit better grip on it. But I can't even imagine being like, okay, uh, let's hire somebody in in chicago in new york in florida and let's let's branch out and start new locations i mean how how did that even come about was that the original plan or did you did you start as like a single location and then you were thinking you know what let's just take it national
1: well, it definitely didn't plan out. I mean, you should have seen my notes. I had a, a, a big plan even back then. Sorry if my phone keeps buzzing. But I had a huge plan to take over. I was like, man, if I get 1% of all the ball, ball Pack and all the money mailer, and I was talking to my dad, he used to own a transmission shop, and I'm doing all this math. I'm like, man, that could be like 8,000 jobs a month. like. And, of course, I had big dreams, and then I realized, man, this is a lot more work than I had planned on. I don't even know how to do a gear and sprocket. So I went and learned how to do a gear and sprocket after I learned how to do springs. And then I had Wayne Dolan teach me how to do a torque master. So I used to carry torque masters on my truck. I mean, look, I didn't have any guidance. I didn't have great people around me to teach me. I I, I learned a lot more about business. I got a master's degree. I graduated in 2012 with that, but that was five years in. So I've made every mistake you could think of. Hired family, fired family. Got robbed from a million times. A guy had an operation in the back of my shop just taking springs, selling them, taking opener, selling them. I mean, I've, been, I've had to pay extra taxes because I screwed up on my taxes in 2008. Ended up paying $30,000 from that. Signed up stupid deals with uh, advertisers end up spending an extra $40,000 on yellow book page that got me zero calls. I mean, you talk about mistakes. I am the epitome of every worst mistake you could think of. The only thing different is I don't go down those mistakes again. I don't make the same mistakes twice. So I jump in head first, man. I get dirty. I learn what it's like. I was out there running six, seven jobs a day, seven days a week. If there was a nighttime call, I ran it. And that just stopped in 2014 to where I wasn't running calls on a daily basis. So I, uh, I still enjoy getting my feet wet, but now I focus much more working on the business, which is a cliche from the E-myth work on it, not in it. But dude, I'm so looking forward to this podcast because I think you're going to reach a lot of people. And I think it's important to know that you're not a bad guy and I'm not a bad guy. We're out there to help people.
0: Yeah. So when you're planning the company and you got all these big dreams, it sounds to me like you literally were in a truck running calls. I mean, were there days where you just felt like, man, I'm wrapping up my sixth call for the day. I haven't done anything to like really expand and go into other markets. Or was that just like, hey, I'm paying the price early. I know I got to do what I got to do. I'm getting to where I'm trying to get to like. I know for me, I know my answer because I was in that boat, but what what was it
1: like? Yeah, you? You know, there are days back, back in the day that you feel like, man, I can't trust anybody. I got to do this myself or it won't get done properly. And the biggest mistake I see is people are fairly successful in this industry for the most part, but they go and spend all the money. They pay themselves really, really well, but the company makes nothing. They crap on their employees. And there's all these problems. You walk into work and you're like, Oh, there's going to be a lot of drama today. I I went in work this weekend. I went to the boathouse because I made a little bit of money last year and I decided to buy a boathouse with that money. They take all their earnings and instead of reinvesting it, they buy their kids the nicest things. They do all this. Business is not about the first five years are hard work and reinvesting within the company. And the biggest mistakes I see these guys go out. And just because you're a good technician doesn't mean you're a good owner. You're probably not a good owner if you're a good technician. Just because you're a good salesman, you're not a good trainer. See, these things are not equal. Right. Owning a business, just because you know how to do a good workout and train somebody at the gym doesn't mean you should go buy a gym, okay? It's a big, big difference. But, yeah, there were days where I'd walk into work and I knew – I was like, man, I'm walking into a lot of drama. My mom walked out on me twice. She used to answer my phone calls. I got her to move out here in 2010. She just walked out in the middle of the shift because she was pissed. <laughs> I mean, I've had the craziest story in my the world, wife man. And but. my mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'm not gonna lie. Like I hired them both because I needed them really bad, but the relationship, you know, the strain that it puts on the relationship wasn't worth it. So I literally, I, I fired both of them. I joke about it, but I was very serious at the time.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. My stepdad just retired last week. He worked for me for nine years, nine solid years. Did amazing things, man. We looked at, we looked at some of the revenue we were bringing in back then compared to now, and just it's like, man. When you ask my stepdad, he's like, "Hey, what, what what makes Tommy so successful?" People always ask him that, and he's like, "Well, he's got bigger balls than anybody I've ever seen." Just on payroll, I spend 700 and some odd thousand a month. So
0: Nice. When you do, um, I think about growth and the commitment that it takes, because I know here I'm faced with with choices. And and some of these answers to these questions are based on timing, uh, both in seasons, how busy seasons are or not busy, uh, and then also how well your financials are doing. But in order to get to the next level, you almost have to take risks no matter how big you are. So, I mean, for me, I know I remember hiring my first employee. I was like, man, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. Like if, if I'm going to bring somebody on to do all my door installs that I'm selling, I'm going to have to take a pay cut. Then I, I thought, you know what, I need an office person to help me with the phones because I can't answer all the phones because I'm in the garage. And then I had to take a pay cut. And here I am every time we grow having to make a sacrifice and that, that, and ultimately kind of holds true even today when we want to make that next jump, there's still a sacrifice. And I think it's a lot less detrimental if it fails, but in the beginning it was huge. Are you finding yourself still having to make some sacrifices in order to make those leaps? Maybe it's to go into a new state or whatever.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Everything's a sacrifice. Man, if I wanted to, I could retire. You give me one year, I'll have several dozens of millions of dollars in the bank if I just said I'm content right now. Not even an issue. I mean, I could easily bring in 15% of $40 million. Let's just do the math. That's $6 million. Two years, that's $12 million. Not to mention all the assets that I own. So yeah, if I just wanted to take all the profit and just stack my pockets and retire and be content, fine. Or I could reinvest in a training process, my learning management system, reinvest in a full-time recruiter to not recruit anybody in this industry. Find somebody that's willing and able, that smiles all the time, that's fun, that's always laughing, that gets along with people, and then I'll show them the trade. That's what it's all about. So recruiting, training, having a complete, robust, technically sound training center to make guys into I don't want to say robots because it's not robots. We all know that, but they say the same questions. Machines. They do the same thing every time. You see, when you go to McDonald's, nobody has. When you go to every McDonald's, and I've been to China, I've been to Thailand, I've been to South America, and I've had McDonald's. Because after a while there, you're like, you crave McDonald's. You're like, just give me some normal food. Well, they all make the the burgers the same way. The fry station's always in the same spot. And what you learn is these processes, standard oper- operating processes, are procedures. Uh, checklist certain things that are done a certain way and having a good robust system, like a CRM, like we use service tight. That is what will grow the business. And it's a big investment, man. Everything's a big investment because now I'm going to be paying a recruiter. I mean, the recruiter has a potential to earn hundreds of thousands of dollars because I'm basing the majority of their pay on performance. Like I do for everybody else that's employed with me. And it's based on the success of that technician during the first 90 days. And if they're hitting all their key performance indicators or major metrics, they make a ton of money. But in the scheme of things, I make a lot more. I mean, it's, it's an upfront cost to long-term growth and potentially I think, you know, this might sound uh, cocky, but I think we could be the largest graduate company in the world. Definitely in North America and it's not, and we're going to bring up a lot of guys with us, a lot of garage door owners right now. I think we could create a lot of millionaires and a lot of people don't know what they're going to do with their business. They hate their lives. They don't have any time. They put their energy into useless things in a day because they're so busy putting out fires. They, uh, they don't understand the tax laws that are amazing right now and how to really, I'm not saying don't pay your taxes, but there's certain things you could do to pay less taxes. Uh, you know, this is fun for me, but yeah, there. I, I just went on and on about, you asked me a simple question. It's no yeah. There's,
0: there's, you were in the Atlanta market here. Um, I saw one of your trucks. Are you guys still here or you guys move out?
1: So there's four markets I got out of. And uh, basically here's the story. Uh, I had a guy coming to town. He's a buddy of mine. He does about 75 million a year they're they're in growth mode. He'll probably be by the end of the year, 200 million because they're acquiring companies. And this is a garage door guy in the HVAC industry. uh, No one's doing that in the garage door industry. There's a couple franchises, but so the deal is he came in, saw my new operation, super excited about it. He always look, I get a lot of consulting from a lot of people. Some of them are friends of them charge me. Some of them just come from books some of them podcast, but he came in, flew into town, wanted to hang out, showed him my place, showed him my plan, showed him my P and L's, my balance sheet. And he said, Hey, you're losing, you're losing $150,000 in these four markets. He goes, can I just take a guess on what's going on? I said, sure. He's like leadership. He's like, tell me about who's running these markets. And I'm not saying I didn't have good people. And I'm not saying that there, you know, I don't want to bash every single person uh, in these four markets, but I will say they were losing money. And he said, uh, close them. And I said, wait, what? He didn't even hesitate. He said, close them down. So the next week I closed them (laughs) and I offered everybody uh, to move them to another market. But here's the deal. Think about it this way. You've got, if I've got, 250 employees and they each are taking care of three people. Roughly, that's a thousand people. You got the original 250 plus three times 250. So that's a thousand people. So, why would I allow a few cities to take down the whole company? Now, look, we were still profitable because the other cities are profitable. But what it would take the time, and here's the most important word energy, to find the right people, right. grow that market. When we pulled out of there this past month, we set a record month. It was the best month we've ever done after shutting down those four markets. Revenue was higher with us getting out of those markets. And then we didn't, weren't spending useless marketing dollars and see a lot of the old time folks in this industry think you shouldn't have to spend more than $30 on a lead. Well, you and I know that there's certain keywords that cost 60, 70, $80 per click on Google. And they just think, well, you should have a good name and you should be able to run your company for generations. And it's not fair. Well, here's the problem. Someone's going to come in and do something. So if we don't do something about it and we're not the most innovative and we're not the best click-through rate and time on page and delivering the best to the customer, someone else is going to come in and do it. So I don't feel bad about what we do. We spend time and energy. But getting out of those markets, man, I've got a lot of pride. And I didn't enjoy doing that but now we've got a whole system to go back into markets. It's I'll tell you what Atlanta, Houston, Dallas, some of these markets, it's expensive. I mean, it's, a, it's, and highly once you get there for a few years, you get repeat customers, the word gets out, but it is a huge investment to go into a big city in comparison to like a Tucson or a Flagstaff or a Boise, Idaho, or, or a Milwaukee. Like you go into these monsters, huge cities, you've got a lot of competition and, you know, our thought process in those areas is possibly to do acquisition, go into these mid markets where we can actually create a huge name relatively fast and get great people. Uh, but I'm not afraid to go into another big city. I think we we just got a different vision for the next two years. Right.
0: So are you planning on being in every state? Every state and every city,
1: <laughs> including Canada.
0: I mean, when I wake up in the morning and I think about my task list, the things that I just absolutely have to accomplish, and I got one location. And then I think about you and what you must be going through. I mean, you got to create layers. I mean, so you, you, you must have a good management team that kind of shields you, I guess, from some of the, the crap that floats up from the field.
1: Well, We've got a really good field supervisor program. No one should have more than five to seven direct reports. So what happens is a lot of times managers will be managing 20, 25 people and nothing gets done. They become a God-admitted manager and there's fire after fire after fire. And I believe that the processes should eliminate those fires. And you know, too fast of growth could be very detrimental. So this whole year, us non-growing, we didn't grow, we grew revenue. Because we ended up getting a higher conversion rate because we watched that. What does a conversion rate mean? It means when I go to your house to sell you a door that we convert and we earn that customer's business. And if you focus on these right metrics, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure, is you could do a lot better even in the market you're already in. But here's the cool thing. I've got the best management team, but they're motivated because they get paid on performance, I believe everybody should be get See, a lot of people think this guy's worked for me for five years, we need to give him a raise. Every annual review, we give him an extra dollar. My CSRs get paid minimum wage, okay? Or they get paid on a bonus program. So the people that answer my phone, the best person made $28 last week per hour, but they averaged 42 calls a day booking, and they were over 93%. Wow. So some people say, well, you shouldn't have to pay people like that. The people that want to work for me are winners. And they say, I'd rather you pay me performance because I know I'm a winner. They're not getting a participation trophy in my shop. So I don't so, think anybody's going to be able to contend with us just because of these performance pay structures. They're actually, these people have something in it for them. Yeah, we give them insurance. We give them paid time off. We've got employees of the month. We pay for lunch all the time. We get, We cook breakfast here. We just got a new skillet. Got a beautiful break room with pinball and golden tea and all these other games. We've got a puzzle we're golden working on in there right now, one of those careful, five thousand piece puzzles.
0: Be careful. What's that? I might shut my stock shop down and come out there to Arizona if you got golden tea. Yeah. <laughs> all day long, man. Come on up. I love that game. <laughs> so we we you say a lot of things that resonate with me. We just bought uh Blackstone. I've been, I cooked steaks for my team because we had a record.
1: Yeah, marathon. that's the same one I got, yeah. Yeah,
0: we did a breakfast last week, I think it was. Uh, I wanted to cook eggs and bacon on it. Turned out phenomenal. Uh, but that, like, this is, I think these are all the things, like, that make a great working environment. And that's where I think you and I really truly understand and see things almost exactly alike I tell people I'm an employee first company. I'll even tell my customers that when customers ask me what's different about your company, I tell them I'm an employee first company. I'm not i I'm not a customer first. And the reason for that is, is if I treat my employees like family, they're going to treat you like family. And it's a well, your internal thing. customers. If you right. think about it that way, they're internal customers. Yeah. You know, you know,
1: Real quick, and I wanna take you through a little drill because this is important for me. I specifically wanted to do this after I talked to you yesterday and I had every one of on my texts go through this process. Um, we're gonna go through some overhead items that people don't need to even understand when you own a business. So typically, this is just, this is called a selling price cost calculation. So there's 40 hours times 52 weeks. So that's 2,080 potential hours of work. Now, we're going to get rid of holidays and everything else. So you've got about 48 working weeks. You've got the nine public holidays, five, six days. So available work hours is about 1,808 hours. It's about 45.2 weeks available to work. 45.2. So here's how your day looks. You arrive at the shop for the scheduled day, pick up the materials, You call the first customer, travel to the job, arrive at the job, sell one hour of service, return pages, arrive at the second job, take your lunch, blah, 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 blah. Well, in all actuality, there's about 904 billable hours in a year. Okay. So now we take that and we go, what's our overhead items that you got to think about when creating prices, owner, salary, advertising, all kinds of advertising, CPA, mobile phones, CRMs, computer expenses, credit card fees, customer uh, uh, or donations, if you do that, subscriptions. I've got all kinds of subscriptions for different things. Our VoIP service, you know, education expense, uh, insurance for the truck, insurance for the contractor, insurance, is insurance for the workman's comp.
0: You know, i, it's ridiculous I got about another 100, I 100 line insurance. items. What's that? It's ridiculous how much I pay in insurance. I could go with another 100 line items.
1: But when people do their costs, costing, you see, how am I supposed to keep up when I run 24-7 and I've got air conditioning and I give paid time off to my employees and they actually have goals to hit and they're part of the company? You know, how am I supposed to compete with that guy charging $200 for a Sprinks? And people go, well, here's my problem. Do you know how much a cup
0: of coffee costs, Ryan? Oh, I mean, cost to purchase or cost to make just let's say, I made a, let's say I made a cup of coffee right now. Let's say
1: I made 20 cups. I've got this huge coffee maker. How much do you think that cost me to make 20 cups of coffee at my shop for my employees? 20 cups right now, me me making it with 20 cups, you know, Maxwell yeah, I'm House coffee.
0: Probably five bucks, maybe. I'm, what is it? I'm not much of a coffee drinker, but i 20 cents five maybe, bucks.
1: 20 30 cents per, per cup? cup. Yeah, probably somewhere around in there. 20 to 30 cents. So why isn't everybody knocking down the doors of Starbucks saying they're ripping people off at $7 they're charging them. So a hundred times 30. So, so 10 times 30 cents is $3. So they're charging almost 25 times what it costs them to make it. Now, what about a piece of pizza? Now, now look, I used to work at rookie's clubhouse. I was 12 years old. I washed dishes Then I moved up the busboy. Then I could, I could tell you, I know how to make the dough. We spread it out in no pan and then we put a little bit of sauce and a little bit of cheese on it. And there's your 10. That's a large pizza that generally costs us right around 70 cents. How come Papa John's, they don't tear the doors down and they say, you're charging, you're charging for what cost you 70 cents. How could you charge $20 and charge $2 a topping? It doesn't even make sense, right? right. Well, I'm happy to pay for that pizza because they deliver it to my house. It was Supreme customer service. And then we talk about this. Let's talk about an $800 garage door. So people say fix it or replace it, right? Mm-hmm. So when you come out, you get a brand new door. It's a 25 gauge piece of crap for for $800. is you're still using old rollers, you're using low cycle springs. You're not you're not replacing the trim for that, hopefully. And here's the thing. Wasn't $800 what they were charging 10 years ago? Now I could tell you the inflation and it's compound inflation that nobody looks at. The opener, you can see what the openers have done over the last 10 years. Because every other company, your parts suppliers raising their prices. Yep. So my question is, should we replace it or should we fix it? Well, here's what I look at. If you've got a good steel back door and it doesn't have a lot of dents and the paint looks good and the trim's in good condition, then let's talk about fixing it. And I'm going to give you way higher cycle parts. There's a cost for us having to advertise to get the phone call. There's a cost to answering that phone call. There's a cost to running my air conditioning service Titan, my computer systems. So to understand this, it, 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 you can tell I get pretty, pretty energetic like when it, it comes to this stuff, because it really bothers me when I hear people, because here's the deal. I like to make anywhere between 10 and 15%. And I'm not even there sometimes. 10, percent Okay. So 10 talking to 15%. Net profit. I'm talking net. I'm talking EBITDA, earnings before interest yep. tax depreciation or appreciation. So, When you think about these numbers, the only way that you can make more than me, the only way you can make more than me percentage wise, if you're charging less than me, is because you're not giving your employees a fair hourly wage. You're not having the air conditioning on for them, or you don't have the employees because you decided to work five jobs. You're not giving them PTO. You're not running on a system like Service Titan. You see, we add up all of our costs and we added a 10 or 15% of that. And that's how we came up with our pricing schedule. When people look at us and say you're ripping people off, I say, look, we're not 1099 our technicians. They drive a so brand new. That's a hot band. topic.
0: You're actually hiring employees for your technicians, right? Oh, I don't do yeah. But no, none of my employees are 1099. None of them. It's great. That's a hot topic right now. It was a it was a topic on the Tom Wadsworth conversation. We just had a little round table discussion about it here on a. um, we're going to start doing a little podcast in between each episode where we kind of briefly discuss the previous episode internally and, uh, just kind of have like a meeting. It's very informal, but that was one of the topic. We had a question whether or not I, Ryan hire employees or contractors for Aaron overhead doors. So I answered that question, uh, through that. We'll be releasing that on Thursday and, uh, And so there's a huge difference between how you're allowed to treat a employee versus a contractor.
1: Well, trust me, I can go through all of those. There's tests and uh, these people figure out that the scam artists, the bosses, the of the industry, figure out ways to do it. And they go, I'm going to make them form an LLC. I'm going to pay their LLC. They got to drive their own crappy truck. They can't, they're not allowed to go to my meetings. They're not allowed to wear a u- real uniform. They're not even allowed to make more than 70% of their income from one supplier. Yet they still win. But here's the deal. They are, they're going around every day, taking a chance. And I'm telling you, I've seen companies go out of business because if the state comes after them and they return, reverse all that, do you know how much back taxes they're going to have?
0: Oh, it's crazy. They, they're
1: simply trying to steal a little bit from uncle Sam and take advantage of their staff to make a few extra bucks because they can't compete against me. They can't compete against you. They don't stand a chance against people that take care of their employees because my employees, I have very, very, very low attrition rates. That's because I don't shit where I eat and these guys do and they don't stand a chance and if anybody thinks it's okay to have a bunch of 1099 contractors doing all their work, good luck because I will tell me where
0: you're at. I'm coming to your city soon. (laughs) I love it. So there's a huge, probably the largest garage door company in America, in my opinion, uh, here in Atlanta market. I think they've just transitioned from employees to subs where they're, if I'm not mistaken, making people get their like their own LLC and drive their own trucks and everything uh, if you want to be an installer for them, which is very odd because... I think that opens up tons of liability for them, but I guess it's a cost-saving attempt on their part. But in in my opinion, I feel like it almost shows desperation.
1: So I will tell you this. I'm very with the roofing contractors. I'm really familiar with a lot of these different industries, and a lot of them, they run a really good business, and they sub out the, the install. They, they do all the repair in-house, but they sub out the install. So I'm not saying that you can't have – installation of doors like Wayne Dalton, stuff like that. I I have no, I'm just not into that side of the business. I don't work for nothing. They have such low margins, plus they are a manufacturer. plus they're putting on a torque master that's warranted for a year. So I can't speak to that because obviously they're a public traded company. They're not idiots, but I'm just telling you, I, I do about half and half, half of my revenue is from new install. Half of it's from repair. And people would say, well, most companies are 80 to 90% new install and they've got their little bit of repair side. The problem is they don't understand their costs in my book, which I think you read the home service millionaire. Here's what Frank Blau says. Start by budgeting all your expenses, jot down in a spreadsheet on a column or pad, what you want to spend on you and your team, put in proper salaries and wages for the wonderful scaled, valuable work you do. Then address every expense account, And be generous. Provide nice trucks, uniforms, benefits, and marketing dollars. Hold your chin up as you create a budget based on reasonable expenses for what you do well. Put in the amount of sales you want. Make the sales total bigger than the expenses and add the desired amount of profit to that number. This is what Ellen Rohr put in here. But she says, buy nice things, have new computers, have new vans. Don't let your vans break down all the time. I mean, And then you divide that on how many widgets you sell and there's your pricing.
0: Hey guys, have you heard of a company named SOMER? SOMER builds some of the best openers on the market, which are all produced in Germany. They've busted on the scene here recently and for good reason. They offer tons of flexibility. I'll give you a few reasons why this diehard LiftMaster fan, me, started buying SOMER operators recently. The SOMER team here in the U.S. provides excellent customer service and had all the answers to my questions. Roman and Andy, the U.S. reps, they're easy to deal with. The rail for this operator is in the box. Talk about space saving. SOMER can solve so many problems that others can't. My experience has been amazing, and I challenge you to try SOMER out yourself. SOMER has some amazing deals for our listeners. To learn more about these promotions, call SOMER at 704-424-5787. Use coupon code Torsion Talk. You can also visit them online at somer-usa.com. And there's
1: then you divide that. that on how many widgets you sell and there's your pricing. Right. I don't get, I got to tell you, I don't get a lot of people saying you rip this off like all these other companies do. I get a lot of people that say, wow, you gave us the highest cycle life in the market. You powder coat your springs. You carry a hundred thousand cycle four brother rollers that are, that are red because we trademarked a certain color on th- things. Like here's the deal. Don't get mad at me because you can't sell anything because you show up there looking like crap with no uniform, without an iPad, with without being able to give a customer a real invoice from a computer. I mean, it just it really bugs me, Ryan.
0: But <laughs> so when you guys when you send somebody out into a market, if I understand correctly, you fly them in, right, to Arizona, train them, give them a truck, <laughs> like the whole thing and then send them on their way and they go out and run a market if they're the first person or whatever. Is that right?
1: Kind of. Yeah. I fly everybody in the Phoenix to train because they need to get to know the staff. They need to understand how the company works. Cause we, we book all of our calls. We do all of our dispatching centrally out of Phoenix and we've got an apartment complex. We house them and there's 19 units. Um, we, we literally get the trucks wrapped. I've got a shop called Melimoto that we do the wraps there. We make a really, really nice. We've got an internal two full-time welders. We have really nice racks for the springs in the back. They're powder-coated red. Um, the van—you can stand up in the back. It's got a light. It's got an area for your old metal. How many trucks? It's got a garbage you have? can. It's just—it's a nice van. It's got a spot for your iPad. We put an inverter in there so you can charge your batteries while you're driving. And you should see the, this is their, this is their office. You know, wouldn't you want to have a nice office to work every day, all day? A good air conditioning unit, a good radio that works,
0: you know? How many trucks are you running? Over a hundred. That's crazy. That's absolutely. Uh, I think on the side of my
1: trucks, I'm up to like 400 and something, but obviously we bought and sold a bunch and we're... (laughs) So on, no Facebook, first generations
0: left. on Facebook, you guys just opened a new place and I got to follow along. You were doing some videos and photos of, of the evolution of your moving in and remodeling. And so it looked like, uh, there were one or two videos where I was like, I really just wanted to stop and pray for you. It looked like you guys had your handful trying to run a big business and also, at the same time, move into this huge facility, get it ready to move in. I know that had to have been a handful, but then just the other day, I think I saw a video of you walking around outside, looked like hundreds of doors. Uh, and you're like, hey, these got to go. I'm getting rid of them. Like, how do you accumulate that many garage doors?
1: So we used to house all of our own garage doors. We used to buy hundred, we used to buy them truckloads at a time, several truckloads at each location. And then I got smart and realized we're not great at inventory and there's just stuff collecting dust all day. And, uh, like I said, a, a couple different friends of mine that are very, very successful. Taught me to get out of inventory completely. So we, we worked some deals out with some of our manufacturers and, uh, we don't carry any inventory now We're we're actually in the process of depleting everything. I'm not going to carry anything. I'm not going to carry a roller. I'm not going to carry a spring, nothing. I'm I'm getting out of it. And this is going to cause us the most rapid expansion you've ever seen is coming.
0: And now does that have something to do with uh, the coalition that you and I discussed? And I know you probably can't talk about it completely, but you and I had a little conversation about a coalition that you're trying to start.
1: Yeah, so, so it, it's not really that much involved in that side of it. So our goal is this. We're very, very good with Service Titan. We were the first company on it. We built the price book. We could teach people so much more. Most people that use Service Titan are stuck in second gear, and they've got a, a six-speed Ferrari. And they're stuck in second gear. They'll never get out. They haven't beta tested. We're switching our phones. We're going live in two weeks, 100% Service Titan voiceover internet protocol. We've got the, the marketing dialed in where we text the customer. We email the customer every six months. Are you using months. their
0: new marketing feature with the drip campaign? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. We were the first ones to beta test it. We're using I everything. We're actually, we're in their control groups to, to innovate everything that they're working on. Like we meet there twice a year to just go over what needs to happen for the garage or industry. Like I said, we were the first one on there with the largest by far. And the goal is to create a, a, a a coalition, if you will, that people could use our buyers. They could use service Titan. They're going to have to pay a discounted fee to use it, but they're going to use our price book. They're going to get access to our manuals and our processes of how we book phone calls of how we remarket of how we sell service agreements and actually give companies a good value. Understand what they're worth because every company goes to sell their, if you look at the average company for sale, it's like seven years for garage doors because you can't sell blood, sweat and tears. I've tried to buy a lot of different companies. I've bought four. But when you look at it, I'm like, how are you getting the value of this company? You think I'm going to work for 10 years to repay your crap? You don't even have any good employees. You don't have any new trucks. You've got really old, 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 old inventory that's not worth anything. You know, the way that you you value a company is you look at how much profit did you make, and there's a multiple on that. Usually these small companies are worth about 2 a big, big, big company, like we're worth about six times the profit. Because when I leave town, which I'm leaving town tomorrow, I'm going to be gone until the 15th. Do you know how much I'm going to be talking to managers every day, wondering what's going on? Zero. Zilch. I don't have to make a phone call. I don't have to do anything. And we'll still set a record this month. And that's why the multiple is higher for a more successful business. Now, when you're over $100 million and you've got three years to prove that, whatever your net profit is is worth about 10 to 12 times because now you don't have any of the key men, meaning that if your key managers leave, the company still runs. That's, that's how a hundred million dollar plus company runs. And that's why there's so much private equity coming in. So my goal would be this, get everybody, get this whole industry. We're going to charge a small fee. It's going to be, let's put it this way. You do a good spring job, you do maybe an overhaul or whatever, you pay for what we will charge you a month. Easy. We're not charging a lot of money, but the goal would be here's the ultimate vision, create a lot of millionaires, a 1,000 millionaires, give people their time back and give them ownership in a bigger company. That's the ultimate goal. What does that mean? It means that there's no way I'm gonna get to 50 states. I could probably in the next five years get to 30, but I'm not gonna be in most of the cities. The only way to do that is to combine with other companies and say, let's work together. I could learn a lot from them. They could learn a lot from us. And we're going to create, I think what's going to end up being one of the largest guys companies that ever existed. And the deal is I'm excited to get people that's been in the industry a
0: long time. So is this because like a when they tell me how deal? much they charge, what's that? Is it, so is this like a franchise deal where people buy? No, AT? no, no, it wouldn't be a franchise. No, it'll, it'll all be owned.
1: So here's an example. I say, Ryan, I want you to join. Let's see if we like each other. You use my stuff. You get comfortable with it. We teach you how to do payroll in 10 minutes. We teach you how to book faster calls more efficiently. We show you how to make customers happier and sell them service agreements. You know, there's going to be some non, non-disclosure agreements, but we go through this process and you say, Tommy, I love this, man, but I still, I want to go on vacation. I want to take my wife and kids out. Well, look, how about this? How about we work together? I give you this lump sum of money you still make a percentage of the margins coming in. It's just under a new company. It's not under A1. We're not changing anybody's name. We're not doing anything like that. So ultimately, here's the deal. We'll probably help out a lot of freaking companies. There's so many companies that they don't understand CRMs. They don't know how to do it. There's no support from a lot of the CRM, you know, service team. They won't give people the time of day with five or six technicians. They, they don't have the time or the capacity to do so. So we come in and we say, look, we're going to work one-on-one with you. We're going to teach you guys every single detail on how Service Titan works, on how to book a phone call, and how to remarket to your customer base. We're going to get deals from all the major vendors where they're going to be giving rebates. You're going to make so much freaking money with your business. How could you say, no, it's going to be so appealing. Ryan, you're going to be like, this is too good to be true. This can't be true. And then and then if it works, and look, we, we can see about under the hood. we can know where we want to help work with you and i'm talking to people look i got a buddy of mine he's 56 years old um i want him to take advantage of this because i don't think he wants to do this very much longer and i think i could pay him a lot more money than he'd get from anybody else so when you were talking about the thing that is in favor for us is you're already using our system we know what your key performance indicators are and I'm not asking people to rip people's heads off. I'm just telling you, have you ever had a truck breakdown? Yeah. Because one day I had five of them break down. It cost me $13,000 that day. One That was one day before I started getting new vehicles. That was the, uh, you know, the, what do they say? The hay that broke the horses back, or whatever. But the deal is. I understand the true cost of taking care of people and growing them and helping them out. If there's a Thanksgiving dinner and they can't afford it to buy them the turkey, you know, we don't, we don't contribute a lot right now, at least to, to uh, to philanthropy and giving away a lot of stuff to, we give doors for the wounded soldiers and stuff like that. If we got them, we do a lot of things like that, but why wouldn't you want to take care of your internal staff? Make sure that they got Christmas presents. Make sure the tires on their car are good and they got reasonable transportation and their kid could afford soccer. You know, so many people go out and they donate to all this charity and all these things. And they don't look into their own backyard, their own house and say, is everybody good working for me? And I'll tell you what, people are loyal. They'll never forget that kind of stuff. And when you can start caring more about your employees than you do, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm fine. Look, I, even if I walk away from the garage door industry, I would be good to go. No problem. I mean, I, I could literally, and I'm not bragging, but I could retire today if I wanted because I've created enough sustainable income streams from other businesses that I would never have to work again. I would never have to do anything. I don't even have to show. I could be on a beach. And I'm not bragging. It's just the ultimate goal, though, is to build something so much bigger and better and create a legacy, because I think that's what it's all about now.
0: Do you have a lot of haters?
1: You know, I think I did before I started the podcast and the books. I think people really... They're like, who's this young punk coming in and he's got his face <laughs> on the truck and this guy's cocky. And then they meet me and they're like, dude, you're actually, you're actually a pretty cool guy. Like right. you don't have a lot of secrets. You you don't treat people, you treat mutual respect. I just don't get along with those guys that have been in the industry forever. They think they know everything. They're like, oh, zinc galvanized is better. And no, oh, I, I don't use those type of winding bars. And oh, it's like, why don't you just stay a technician? Because that's all you'll ever be. You're a technician stuck in an owner's body. That's going to be out of business in the next three to five years. And I have no problem saying that, but there's a lot of people that could get out of that rut and they could learn and educate themselves. Look, I've had a lot of great people in my life help teach me how to do this stuff. And if I didn't, I'd be exactly where I was. I didn't come from this huge entrepreneurship, go to this Harvard and be taught all these things about formulas and ratios. And over time I've developed a lot of these things, but I think, I think that this, this, this whole industry is stuck in the nineties and you've got these people that have been in the industry forever just saying, it's not right to do that. It's not right to do this. You're right. If you're, if you're making all this money and just, if you're making over 15 to 20% and you're just clocking people and getting horrible reviews out there and crapping all over your employees, then you've got a really crappy business and it'll never be something you could sell. But if you're actually taking care of employees and you understand the real cost of running a call, see, certain people brag that they work out of their house and that their wife answers the phones and their son runs the service calls. Certain people brag about that stuff. They say, I have 1099 and this guy. And they're so happy that they figured out a way to cheat and take advantage of their personal family. I'm like, shouldn't your family get paid like anybody else? Wouldn't you want something sustainable that you could leave? Here's a real question, Ryan. If I said today I want to fly you and your family, today, I'm talking you got two hours to pack. We're taking your dog. We're taking your family. We're taking you to Hawaii. All expenses paid. I'm paying for the flight. It's all you can eat, all you can drink. I'm taking you to the volcanoes, taking you on the bikes. We're leaving for a month. Now, here's the deal. You can't call back home. You don't have access to your phone. How does your business look in a month when you come back? Me personally, probably pretty good. So you got, so you personally have a sustainable business that's actually worth something to somebody. Now, 99% of the people, especially as this podcast starts growing and listen to this. They're going to go, well, it's it, it just, and I've been there. It's not sustainable. It won't run without, without that person. And that's how I value a business is after this guy
0: leaves and these two guys leave, what's it worth? Well, I just started and a marketing company off the back. What's that? I just started a marketing company off the back of the fact that my garage door business is self-sufficient and growing. So I do have an excellent team and I do take care of them and they do a phenomenal job and we do make mistakes and we do mess up. I got one of my guys called me today, busted the back windshield out of one of my trucks. And, you know, I mean, it happens. I don't get upset. I'm like, cool, let's just take care of it. Whatever. No big deal. We'll move on. But I mean, you have stuff happen, it comes up, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is, is that if you don't give the people you hire the ability to run with what they're good at, then you never trust them in the first place. You never should have hired them.
1: Well, I would love to talk to you about recruiting gay players because that's, that's the only way to grow a successful business. And, uh, and I'd love to tell you too, that anytime you want to come or anybody out there that wants to come see our shop in Phoenix, I'd take the time. I'd sit down with them. I'd show them everything, nothing to hide. You could talk to any
0: one of my technicians. I actually, anytime, seriously. Well, anytime that's my assistant says, yeah, (laughs) I get get it. I went out to, uh, I mean, we were about to launch a commercial division last August and it was a huge investment. So I spent some money and flew out to hang out with Kyle Hart and Colleen and I, I respect them greatly. And he's always been there for me when I call and have questions or whatever. And, and so on the, on the commercial side, he's, as far as like troubleshooting and fixing stuff and, and finding solutions, I think he's the best. And I wanted to not go out there and learn how to do commercial. I wanted to go out there and learn how his mind thinks so that I can process things very similarly. And so when I do that, we, uh, when I flew out there, I learned a ton, not about fixing or replacing doors or motors or gates or whatever, but I got to see how he processed things. And I came back here with significantly more value. And we ended up launching the commercial department. I invested about a hundred thousand dollars into it the first three months and we're kicking butt now. I mean, we're doing really well. And so that was all about me learning before taking the next step. I'm about to start expanding and, and going wider. I've always kept, as part of my commitment to my employees, which has almost stifled our growth to a degree, is I've always tried to keep us close. So we've done 98% of our marketing's been within a probably 20-mile radius of my shop. and. Mm-hmm. We're doing we're doing decent numbers. I'm doing better than majority of garage door companies all over the country. But I want to get bigger. I want to expand. I want to grow. And I think that the best way for us to do that is to go out wider. And I'm not talking, you know, 60 miles or 100 miles. But, I mean, even just going 30 or 40 miles out could make a huge difference in everything. Or simply launching another location – not too far from here, but not too close where we're not competing with each other. And I think that, that, uh, I could definitely come out there and learn from you on all the strategies you have of even just starting a separate location. Cause we plan on having all the calls and everything come through here and managing all the different locations from this office.
1: Yeah. I and mean, you know, I'll tell you what, it's really you, your most successful shop is usually the shop that you started originally. Um, but see, I think that uh, I think the key is inspecting what you expect, and the way that you do that is I'm gonna I'm just gonna update my service Titan right now, and you're familiar with it, but a lot of the people listening probably aren't, and I can tell you this: this is just the coolest thing in the world. I can tell you we're at thirty-one thousand right now. We're at actually forty-three thousand in sales, so we've got different because we sold more so far than we've actually collected because of door sales. of course. Um, We've got an 86% call booking rate. We've sold one membership. We've had six cancellations. We're in service. We're at 78%, but that kind of pisses me off on my conversion rate. And (laughs) door sales are under 40 right now, but it's because they're still at the jobs. We've booked 163 calls so far. I've got, for my call center, I've got... uh, one gal booked 20 out of 21 available calls. She was at 95%. Danny's at 18 of 19 booked. Earl's at 15 of 16. Janine is at 12 to 13. Here's the deal. All the people I mentioned are over 90%. I guarantee you, Brian, I will take this to the bank. The overall average booking rate of a home service company is under 45%. So I know when I build this thing, I can double people's business just by booking the phone calls. We answer 24 seven and we make the customer happy. They listen to us and they go, well, how much are rollers? How much are springs? How much is this crash door? See,
0: we've perfected this.
1: And most companies are like, well,
0: price questions.
1: We're going to handle it. But look, when you call up and hello, how can I help you? I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm on a ladder right now. I'm going to need to call you back. Uh, that's what a lot of people do yeah. because they're a decent technician and that's it. And what kind of ads are you putting out there? See, I have 3,900 call tracking numbers. My guys, every one of my employees that's got a call tracking number for on their business card gets $50 for any job that gets ran that's over $100. And we hit a button and we get it on an Excel sheet of how much we owe that person. Some people are making 300 bucks a week from generating their own leads. I mean, what I'm talking about is so next level that people are going to have to get a huge investor. I'm talking tens of millions of dollars to try to even fathom what we're creating. Are you and taking built-
0: investments or are you just bootstrapping? Well, I
1: have a bank. I mean, this new building wasn't cheap. It was three and a half million dollars. So I didn't, I didn't come out of that out of hand, but uh, the whole renovation was just 600 we did in house. But yeah, I still owe, plenty of money on the apartment complex i still i think i'm up to three million dollars i owe on the trucks i mean yeah this stuff i get loans because our revenue looks good and our balance sheet is clean but at the end of then we pay our taxes we do the stuff we have to do but at the end of the day i'll tell you what i like selling doors we sell doors for a good amount and the average door there's a study that just came out and it wasn't from a garage company that the ROI of a garage door is about 104. percent It's the only thing on the home that gives you more. It's a great investment. Right. It's a great investment, and the average garage door sells across the United States for over three thousand dollars. You see, no one gets mad when you sell a garage door for five, six, eight, ten thousand dollars, like a five layer Canyon Ridge. They get. They don't care. They don't go Clopay's ripping you off because Clopay. 10 times what it cost them to make it with raw supplies. But they get mad when you sell a spring for anything or, or, or a nice roller. And I I don't understand that. I'm like, wait a minute. We showed up to their house within an hour. We come with a wrap truck. Our guys are background checked, They're drug tested. They come in a uniform. They've got an iPad. Do they think this stuff comes free? Right. Do people really think that they, that we were donated the iPads and the software to use or that the air conditioning bill here when it's 120 degrees comes free? Or do they think I'm spending several thousand dollars a month on my electricity bill in one location? I mean, I don't know who, who, what, what goes on in these people's heads as they criticize people for charging enough to make a 15% profit. That's my question, because I promise you, I've not hit that plenty of months and what am I? The only thing I can do That's is take away done. benefits or raise prices, right? Those are the only way that I can do this. Right. And you, you want to know? I pay myself a little over a hundred thousand dollars a year. That's how much my salary is. That's it. That's pretty good from this business.
0: I mean, you know, I envision it's not you like, like I'm, popping bottles in the club and driving a Bentley with so much revenue coming. No, I in, have a 2012 Nissan Titan with 130 thousand miles on it. I, I live in that. one of my apartment units. I love that.
1: So you also invest? I don't want to hear from anybody. I'm stacking. I don't have a private jet. I drive. I drive Southwest, or I fly Southwest. I drive an old truck. So you're not a small department complex. Yeah, no, I don't need to do that stuff. Look, this is a successful business, but everybody knows: stay hungry, stay humble. You know, there's a deal. So I have fun every single day. I know I talk like I get really passionate about this stuff because I get frustrated. I get frustrated that a couple companies.
0: I mean, when, you, when you're passionate about what you love and how you do things, people buy in. You're good at casting vision. You're a vision caster. You're a leader. And I think that's why your employees love you so much. I mean, I've seen a couple little posts here and there in some Facebook groups about you. And your guys defend you like crazy. I mean, it's, it's awesome to see.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate them. A lot of these guys, I mean, they've worked for me for a while. They're family. And they'd give the shirt out their back if I needed it. And I'd do the same in a heartbeat for them. And each one of them, you know, I have them not call me when there's bad news. I love to hear good news. Like I just sold my first bottom rubber and I'm like, tell me about it. What did you do? How did you do it? I get all excited. I'm like, you know, like we get all excited. Like when these guys, you know, we sold them a bottom rubber because we showed the customer and they saw that it was bad and they wanted to replace it. We don't need to lie, cheat, or steal. And the biggest misconception is if you make a profit in this industry, you're lying or cheating. And I'll tell you the real problem in this industry, is there, like I've said it before, there's way too many technicians that are owners. Yep. And they should
0: stay as a technician. And people go home, they feel like they have a cape on their back because they did something nice for somebody, but they did it for free or dirt cheap. And they go home and they tell their family, you know, hey – You know, I did a spring change for someone today for $89 trying, you know, whatever. I mean, like by the time, like I see, like we have a huge group here with like 50,000 people in Atlanta called Connections I Have I Need. And I only go in there just for pure entertainment purposes. I have friends that will tag me, but essentially it's all that is is where people go in and they say, you know what? I need this or I need that. And when someone put like probably once a week, someone says I need garage door repair. I need a quote on a new garage door. And there's literally 40 or 50 responses, sometimes more. And it's just like, who can quote the cheapest price on there, the fastest and who oh, can get yeah, it done that's right all now. About price. And so people will tag me and, and I'm, I commonly just post in there. Hey, um, I'm way more expensive than everyone else. If you're interested in paying more, let me know. Because that's the only strategy I've got, and I'm not willing to do a spring change for $89. Well, what do you think is a good price? Because I would say,
1: I don't give a damn what your good price is. It's going to be whatever I have to pay plus 15%. So what a good price is is relative to you because I have different expenses. But guess what? We're very, very successful and customers love us. And if you think they love you because they paid a little bit of money, you're completely wrong. I've seen people spend $15,000 on an HVAC unit and do cartwheels for joy. If you think you know what? I had this lady one time, she called me up and she goes, Tommy, who's your buddy that does the uh, carpet replacement? And I said, uh, you know, his name's Jason. He's really expensive. And she's like, does he still move all your furniture and can he get it done the same week? I was like, yeah, but you're going to pay probably four times more. She goes, Tommy, I don't care about price. She goes, I don't want to have to move my furniture and I need this done right away. Can he do it? I said, yeah. And see buying out of your own pocket and saying, I would never buy a service agreement and saying, I would never buy financing from anybody. See, we sell financing like crazy, like exactly. crazy. And, 0% and they say, well, I would months. never do that. Same as cash for 12 months. See everybody that's been in this industry, they're an old dog. They're old dogs and they've got no new tricks. When you tell them something they hate change and they go, that's evil. That's so bad. I would never that's do financing. Calling. I would never buy a service agreement on the largest moving object and the most dangerous thing on my home that represents 40% of my curb appeal. And it's the smile of my house. I would never do anything like that. But, uh, I just get, you know, I, I told you yesterday, I get a little agitated because a few bad companies ruined it for everybody. Yeah. But if you look at them, they really, they on their employees, their employee morale is so bad. And you could take my employees and you could threaten them and tell them if you give me dirt on Tommy, you know, I I just, I don't know what they would tell you Except that he comes in early and he leaves late. He comes in every weekend.
0: (laughs) So, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I'm, I'm. I think it's going to be probably one of our best episodes. I, uh, I really enjoy <laughs> well, your passion. It is only a couple of episodes, in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. So <laughs> you don't have much competition, but I think that uh, we've recorded more than we've released so far. But I'm really excited. We're going to get this out um, ASAP, and I just want you to know that.
1: Hey, um, I appreciate coming on. I uh, I'm going to be doing something here soon uh probably on garage door and of america i'm going to be making the book free i just have some edits in the voice one because the voice one's so much better than the regular book so keep a lookout for that on garage door and of america and it, it you know if anybody ever needs anything you could call me you could text me you could email me um you could find me on facebook tommy Mello. i'm not a bad guy i'm not an asshole i get pretty passionate and i get really intense but overall I smile all the time and I'm, I'm a friendly guy. So
0: well, I, want to I, let uh, I don't want people to be afraid. Yeah. And I want people to know about your book, your home service millionaire. You can get it on Amazon, just released the audio version, right? Which I'm probably about to pick up. Yeah. And what's cool about the audible. book is I mean, audible. So the, the book, I'm not a sit down, read it type of guy. I'm i I'm an audio book guy, hardcore. I'm, I'm all in audible all the time. And I sat down and read your book. I think it was in like four hours, which I've never done before. Uh, but I loved how relevant it was and, and how applicable to the home services it was. I, it's like some of that stuff I've gathered from other books, but you apply a lot of that stuff and even your own stuff to the home services, um, industry and I just I like the angle that you took with it so if you haven't gotten that book please do as a matter of fact um, I'll even do something we'll do a uh, we'll do a giveaway on us Tommy you don't even have to do it we'll do a um, we'll do a free paperback and a free audio book for anybody who listens reach out to us give us a question all we need is a question from you guys Uh, that you want us to answer and uh, send us your email. The first two people to give us a question, tell us whether you want the paperback or the audio book, and then we can gift that to you and we'll get your contact information and send that out. And then also uh, check out Tommy's podcast. Tommy, what's the name of your podcast? The home
1: service expert, home service expert. There's about, we finally got up to 10,000 downloads a month. So it's, Get a lot of good people on there, but I'm sure you'll be catching me shortly here. I
0: don't know about that. (laughs) We're going to work it hard. We'll see. Uh, So check out his podcast. I listened to a couple of them. They're really good. He's extremely passionate. I don't know how he keeps the energy up the entire time through each podcast, but he he seems to do it every (laughs) single time. And Tommy, I... I call you a friend now. I really appreciate everything you're doing for the industry and your transparency and the the willingness to help other people, even with little to no benefit to you at all. I think that's awesome. And uh, I even hit you up and asked you about the surge protectors and you were like, I can hook you up. Let me know. And so I, I think we're going to move forward with that. So thank you for that. Just so much, man. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work and uh, go into every state except for Georgia. And uh, if you come in here, that man, might man, be the you're going to be growing lizard.
1: too. I'm telling you, don't be afraid. Be afraid! Look at—we've got a five-gallon bucket going to the ocean when we're a business. And the one thing I'd encourage you to look up, as well as the listeners, is the Starbucks effect. You know, every coffee house in America made more money because of Starbucks, and I believe that's true with us. So I've studied it, I realized it, and I—you know—you're going to grow, and you're going to be, you're going to do huge things. And I hope we can work on some stuff together because great minds that think alike can do—they could accomplish anything.
0: Awesome. Well, enjoy your day, man. Get back to it. I heard that phone going off like crazy, so I know you got (laughs) a lot.
1: Have a wonderful day, brother. Appreciate it, man. Take it easy. Bye.
0: Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I'm Hannah with Such and Such Media. Our team specializes in garage door marketing, so make sure to visit us at garagedoormarketing.co. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. If you guys enjoyed it, make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on your podcast platform of choice.